Well, the idea is to have a Q&A today, but uh, we want to do it in such a way that uh, I thought maybe we're going to have some extra time to cover some questions. You can sneak in here. Roll forward, Josh. You're going to let, uh, let Abby in there. We're going to try and do it away if we end up having extra time from our, our questions. I've, I've got you some notes there of something we can finish off last week's lesson of something that ties into it well. But I uh, wanted to leave plenty of time for Q&A. Before that, I thought it'd be good for us to uh, just kind of start going through what we've learned and uh, kind of take questions on that. So starting back to Chapter 1, I wanted to first see if you had questions on specific areas that we've talked about and want to review it so it, it gets back in your mind. I know when I go through something a second or third time, when I write it down, I, I remember it a lot better. I think that's why I took the parenting class for like, 10 years before I could even start teaching it because it just my brain needed to hear things multiple times. Oh, I think I get it now. It, it takes that long. So let's go back to that very first lesson there where we talked about biblical foundations for parenting. And uh, we had some of those truths in there. I want you to kind of look at those principles and s- let's just kind of see if you have any questions or any comments on any of those. You can see how those apply to what you're learning now. You know, the things that we've, we've been talking about this uh, Um, be teachable, be searching, um, be aware, be consistent, be goal-oriented, be like-minded, be faithful, be honest. Um, How have you seen those play out and what questions have come up in your mind in that process as as we've started to take some of this information in and try to soak it into the brain to have it turn into um, actions that we're doing in our parenting? Any thoughts on any of these? Something that's come up or questions? The be teachable. Yep. Go ahead. Okay. You know, what kind of world view is it? Right. You know, am, am I really thinking? Is this something that makes sense biblically? Uh, and I think the other class going on, the other Sunday school classes, think biblically. It's how you take a world view that is Christ-centered and apply it to everything you're doing. And the parenting process, you're exactly right. It's, you have to stop to look at those things. You know, is this something I'm doing just because I'm doing it? Good. Uh, that's a good one. The be teachable one. Have you guys seen how uh, how this happens? That that sometimes you're you're going to have a um, a, a process that your brain uses that maybe is, is not what you had thought um, for the, the teachability of, of things that are out there, um, <clears throat> different fears that you've had, or, or kind of like what, uh, what he was just saying, those patterns that you've had in the past, maybe the way that you were parented. Um, you're, you're just, you know, I'm going to do it this way because that's the way I was taught, and I'm just going to keep doing it. And you haven't even taken the time to stop to think what the differences are. Thoughts there? Got room for you guys. Welcome back. So going there and just asking on Facebook, hey, how do I d- deal with this parenting issue? Hey, you're going to get a bazillion answers. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 Um, I think we found that uh, the person that needs to, people that need to change and make good kids or just teach our kids is us. Hmm. We're really the subject of this entire class. We, we can't be Shucks great parents. We, figured uh, it out. <laughs> Usually it takes about the eighth week for people to figure out this is about you rather than about your kids. Hey, you guys are sharp. <laughs> 
yeah, you're right. And, and everything we're going to look at, even if we get to this other information today, is, wow, this is, i got to work on this. Deuteronomy 6, first have this in your heart. So uh, that's great. Great, good to hear. Okay. How about the be like-minded? Anybody, is, have you seen any examples of that? Where you've been around other parents and you think, man, I, I want to have my kids around them. Or the other way around, I don't want to have my kids around them. God. And I, I heard them say, your kids did great, Carolyn. I heard you saying that. I mean, that's, isn't that neat when you're around others that are going to be supporting the same values that you have because then you know they're going to get the, the same response. They can't get away with murder in front of them. Yeah. Um, and, and the whole discipline process is not like, uh-oh, they're over there you know, disciplining their kids. No, it's good. They need to. That kid needed a spanking. Go deal with it. And it's, it's neat when you're getting that confirmation. Great, Abby. That's great to hear. Yes. I think every one of us, and you, you've talked about it yourself, most some of the people that we really don't want our children around are the blood, <laughs> the blood relatives. There's so many, there's so many times where that's just such a bad influence. Yeah. And praise God that we have this family. You know, and you, th- you think of some people who think that they can live on their own, they don't need a church family, and you know, I have some relatives who have done that where they could never find a church that was good enough for them and because of that they really missed out on that and then you watch the kids and the kids are unfortunately little Pharisees and they don't know how to interact with others and then they turn wayward and you know they're out pursuing the world and Christ has nothing to do with their lives even though they themselves as parents were heading in the right direction they had the right doctrine so it's, it's sad to see that be like minded that's, that's a great one Okay, consistency was one of them. Be consistent. Uh oh. <laughs> it's exhausting. There's a good word for that. Isn't that true? It is. To have to, to, to determine that we're going to discipline this issue in this way until it gets resolved, they're going to wear you out. You're like, man, come on, kid, get this through your brain. I've dealt with this six times and it's only 10 o'clock in the morning and it's the same sin that we've been working on. <laughs> Yeah. Do not before something, he fixates on it. So we were like, do not go in the road. That was like the one rule we had. And we were constantly pulling 
by the end of the trip, Matt and I were just like, I don't know what to do because it was like every phrase that we said, do not like blank. That was the first thing he was gonna do, and like the one thing he wanted to do the entire time. So he was trying to be consistent with that, like eat lots of, and also trying to like we're really having to change our entire mindset of like how do we go from focusing on this behavior, like especially how young it is, to being in a start being like Boston, this is a drinkable thing. Sorry. <laughs> This is another one of those rules of life that this will always happen at the least opportune the least opportune time and also will be in front of the people that you don't want. It's like, I don't want these other Christians to know that I'm not a perfect parent. I don't have my kids down and they're terrible sinners. It happens. And that's why the like-mindedness. So, hey, obviously you guys have an issue you're working on, and praise God you're working on it. That's the way that we as other parents should respond as we are dealing with other friends who are working on something, if they're actually working on it. If they're not, it's like, that's a hard one to swallow, you know, where somebody just, their kid just keeps doing it and keeps doing it, and they're not paying attention to it. It's like, you can't tell them you're a bad parent and you need to stop doing that. There's a point where they're going to get some consequences at it, which is unfortunate. It has to start in the parent's heart. And so you've seen it in your heart that we want to change our behavior in the way we parent to make it so that this will be affecting their heart. Now, for older kids, if you've got kids that are, that are you know, five, six years old, a little bit older, where you can sit them down, especially when you're taking a class now, and you're saying, okay, I'm learning a lot of new stuff. We're going to do things real different. And we're going to talk about a lesson specifically about that, where you stop and you have a family meeting. Hey, look, mommy and daddy have to apologize to you. We haven't been doing this in the best way possible. We haven't been the best parents, and we, we need to change it. It's going to be hard on the whole family, but here's what we're going to do. And where mom and dad used to maybe be not too consistent, where we would tell you not to do something, now we're going to enforce what we're telling you. And it's going to be harder on us, but it's going to be harder on your bo- on you. <laughs> so that there's a, their understanding of mom and dad mean business. It's not like they've just listened to an audio tape and they're going to try something once. No, this is a lifestyle change. So they need to know, look, you're a part of this. We're doing this for your good. And when we get to the circle of blessing, as you said, you're going to say, oh, now it makes sense why we're doing this. And so we're going to teach the reason why. Uh, another part of it is balance. You know, there's a point where you, we're going to have to we'll walk through this and the balance of this process when you're with other people and how you're going to discipline if you haven't been consistent. It's hard to make that, that change. And that child's going to te- just tempt you and just he's going to make it really hard on you. Let's see what mom and dad do when I do this. Ah, mom said don't do this. I'm going to do it. Yeah, and so they're going to challenge you, which is, it's, it's a, praise God, you're sticking at it.
good to come back and review these major first starting principles because you have to kind of, that's kind of like a foundational base. So being consistent on this, it's, it's easy not to do that. Don't we do that? That's exactly right. I mean, there's a sin. Yeah, there's sins we have. the Lord and ask forgiveness for the exact same things week by week by week. And so I found, I find myself having to look at myself like that because I get, you're doing, I, didn't I just tell you not to do that? And I'm like, I act like I'm surprised that they're doing it. And then I'm going, okay, wait a second. Why am I, that, that, that shouldn't surprise me. Mm. Is he still struggling? Like, you? Literally, two minutes have gone since I said that. I just had like this thinking, and you understood, and then what happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I probably would have been one of your kids. <laughs> okay, you guys remember this? Luke six forty three through forty five. What is it that's in here? Your mind, your affections, and your will. Remember that. And what happens when this gets too full? It overflows. It overflows into what? What we say and what we do, yeah. What we say and what we do. Any, as you've thought about that, and, and because of this, we're going we're gonna to look at how we can interpret this in light of that in the next couple weeks. But any questions on that whole process? Have you seen some of this? where you, you see that, yeah, this little kid is a little sinner, like what you were just saying, you're just saying, where I just told him not to do it. I just said, these are the rules, and you just got a spanking for this, and, and this was the results. So here's what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, the kid comes back, and they do it again, <laughs> and they do it again. It's because it still exists in here, and that's where we have to continually work at trying to get to that. But I think that sometimes you see the fruit from the same thing. The same sin sometimes is also can flip itself. You know, one of the things with Cameron is she loves her sisters so much. Sometimes she antagonizes them, mm. but she also has been so helpful. You know, on our vacation, we only have so many hands. Very helpful pushing her sisters in the stroller and being a helper. And so, you know, that same thing can flip itself. Yes, um, yes. And the consistency of us telling her, So you'll see those actions, which are positive, really good ones. She wants to help. She wants to be a part of what's going on, to be a, a helper and, and being the mommy to her, especially the oldest one. Oldest one's going to want to do that. Here, I want to be the, the leader, as, as easily, easily happens. <clears throat> and it's driven from things within her heart that are good. There's a good side, but then there's also the same reactions can have, a different reactions from the same heart that will have a, <clears throat> I, I want to still lead. There's an autonomy. There's a... I want to be the mommy, I want to be more important than mom, and we're going to get into that whole thing of esteeming yourselves more important than others, things like that, so, and that will overflow in a different set of rules, which is you know, smothering her face and being on her too much, and you know, just picking her up, and you've told her not to, and, and doing things with, with the babies, and that's especially the youngest one, so, okay, that's good. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, we talked about the heart being guarding it because it's the wellspring of life. 
Any uh, other questions with that? Uh, the verses we were looking at there. We were looking at Deuteron. First, we looked at um, Luke six, which was the um, good trees bear good fruit and bad tree bear bad fruit. And the second one we looked at was Deuteronomy six. As you guys have looked at that, now this commandment <clears throat> I, I, I give to you: Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Bind them on your, as a sign on your hand. They shall be as the frontlets between your eyes. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So those are the areas where have you noticed times and opportunities yet for this Deuteronomy 6 type of, of interaction? You have? Okay. So it's a responsibility. As you said, that uh, it's about you guys, Jennifer. It's, it's about your hearts, and it's about the Deuteronomy 6 part of it. It's first, you've got to do it yourself. Then you can consistently teach your children. So that's, it has to start there. Have you, anybody else seen examples of that? Just a little inkling, little starting points. Do we have any questions on that kind of stuff? How you do it? <laughs> and it was, I can't believe you did this, and you know, do not do this ever again. And it was something like that. Whereas now, it's like the teaching opportunity. I'm, I'm seeing it more as I don't take it personal anymore. I have um, through like reading the scripture and really studying what discipline is and seeing it through a biblical perspective. It's totally changed. I don't discipline her out of frustration. It gave me a totally different heart. Just being like, these are sin issues that are bound up. Great. We all have to learn that process, don't we? And, and you know, just initiating is the hard point. We're going to give you very specific ways, and, and not that these are the ways to do it, but vehicles by which you can you can do these things. The next verse we tied in, so we had Luke 6, Deuteronomy 6, and we looked at Ephesians 6, which is a verse we should all know, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. And uh, have you seen <clears throat> examples of, 
of the cause and effect in your family, the honoring that it'll, it'll go well with you. Have you seen any of that yet in your kids? As you're looking and you take a verse like that, and you, any of you have any examples of that? Well, we're going we're to come back and review that one because we'll, we'll spend some, some good time on that. Makes sense. Um, and we talked about, um, obviously, not looking at the externals. Um, briefly, things like that. How about our little apple tree we built? Remember drawing the, the apple tree and putting the apples on it? So questions about that or things that you guys have seen that is, it's piqued your mind. I want to just keep putting these thoughts in your mind so you think about them often. In fact, I had somebody come up to me last week, and they remembered something I taught them. I said, now stick this in your brain. Um, it has to do with shopping carts. And they said every time they see me, they can't stop thinking about their shopping cart. They saw me at a grocery store. It's like, good, I affected their brain. You're, you're going to get this soon because when we hit it, you'll, you'll know what it was. But it was something that, uh, that has in affected people. So I want to keep those little picture things. They really help me to understand things. So hanging apples on the tree where it looks good. But yet, it's not a systemic issue. Have you seen anything there? Is there any thoughts or questions really? That? It's hard to ask you guys questions because you don't even know probably what, what kind of questions you want to you ask. I, I want to kind of stimulate some of these ideas. Wonderful. That's great. Well, that's that's super to hear. Next get together, bring an apple pie, <laughs> and say, "Now, how have your apples been doing?" <laughs> and these are rotten apples. <laughs> you know, it's it's so easy. And the problem is, we sometimes we don't know how exactly to do that work down on the roots. You know, how do you how do you cultivate these things so that it, it's intrinsic, it's built in, it's systemic in their lives. And that's what we're going to get probably in the next couple of weeks. We're going to start just looking at some of these things, looking at the heart and understanding these things. So that's, that's great. Glad, thank you for sharing that. Appreciate that. And then uh, we talked about uh, different ways that we do that. There's there a, a whole bunch of ways that that can happen. Um, then we, last week we looked at shaping influences. We started that whole thing of, of looking at what it is that uh, – um, affected your life when you were growing up and, and now you're affecting others and uh, really the sovereignty of God in these things. Any thoughts you guys had on that? That You went home and you kind of talked about it hopefully. In fact, we're going to talk about couch time. So, uh-oh, that's right, couch time. He's going to ask us. Um, tell me how, your thoughts on, on any of this that you've shaping influence. You guys have a chance to share or talk about anything related to that? Yeah. And that's another question that we would like to talk about. 
Teens can be most, uh, some of the most exciting times um, for the parenting process as you see them, things clicking in their brains. It's, it's gonna take a couple more lessons for us to get to some of the heart of that, and I'll try to remember to tweak a lot of this more for the teens and the tweens, so that's tweaking for the tweens, whatever. Um, uh, we do a whole class on teens that we've done a whole, we take this whole thing and gear it all towards teens, so I'll try to remember to, to pull that in a little bit more for you guys. Who else has teenagers in here? Okay, we've got a couple teenagers. Good, okay, we'll, we'll try, to, try to hit some of that because that, that can be really helpful. When you're going, you know, we've already set some foundations here. We've got family that's set foundations for them and the other uh, shaping influences around them. How can we do something that's going to make them realize that there is a different way and you don't have to be like the world? And uh, as we said, um, your family identity is created in such a way that uh, uh, peer influence can only be as strong as your family influence is weak. And so you can overcome that. If you have a very strong family, the rest of the world will not affect them at anywhere near that level. And yeah, they're gonna be in the world. They're gonna, they need to live in the world. They need to be a part of that. But how do you let them, not that they're gonna be missionaries suddenly to the rest of the world and they're gonna be this you know, perfect Christian if they haven't been trained at that level their whole lives but they're gonna be able to be around them and not be majorly influenced to them, and they'll see. Um, and how do you walk through with them to get them to recognize what the hard issues are that their, rel that their friends are going through? Hey, your friend is doing this and this, and look what the results are, look why. Let's look at the reasons why behind this. I think that's one thing the, in the years that we went through these classes that, that got pounded to me was the why. Always looking at the why behind it and teaching that to my kids. They're, you know, obviously a two-year-old, you're not going to sit down and explain to them why they're getting a spanking for you know, 20 minutes and going through Bible verses with them. That's not going to be very effective. But as your kids get older, you, you want to stretch that, and there's a, a reason by things. And it started early. We had a wood stove in our house, and we would take little ones as soon as they could toddle around, and we would take them and hold their hand near the stove, and we'd say, hot, no touch, no touch. And so they knew to pull their hand back. And so we, we try to teach the why behind it, why different things happen was, uh, was always helpful to do that. they grow. I mean, our goal as 
raising our kids is that by a certain age, we want them accountable to the Lord, not to us. So that when they're in a situation where they're with the aunts or they're with the cousins or whoever, they're able to recognize what you're saying to them. And as far as just saying, oh, I shouldn't be doing that. That doesn't, that's not right. Wouldn't, you know, my family wouldn't allow me to do that. But more importantly, it's because the Lord wouldn't allow me to do that. It would be displeasing. And part of that is assuming that they're not saved. You know, just because your child may have asked you to pray with them to accept Jesus into their heart at age five or six doesn't really solidify the fact that they, in fact, are are saved. Only God knows that. So we have to continually, continually push them towards that so that they're recognizing what that means fully, that it's not about I said something back leaning at the side of my bed that sealed the deal for me. No, it's, it's the heart and how that heart will change and then reflect what we've done. So we, we want to consistently push towards that. Okay, then we talked about the husband-wife relationship, and as a part of this, you guys had some homework, and that was to have couch time, 15 minutes. Okay, now's the time to find out how that went. If you guys did it, if you were at... Yeah, husbands. And husbands, you were to be the ones that would lead in this. Josh, you get a chance to? Yeah, sure did. Great. How'd it go? Pretty well, actually. I think actually, I wanted to go a little bit further, but sometimes it's trying to deal with the kids like they're already interesting. We're like, okay, well, we did reach our you know, minimum. <laughs> <laughs> it's over, I don't, you know. No, but it was, it was good. I think for us, like our couch time is, is when we're in the car. Okay. Like the kids know that like, you know, when we're talking, they kind of, they try their best not to interrupt, but they're going to interrupt just because mm-hmm. something comes up and all of a sudden they're the center of the world. So, good. but um, no, I think it, it, it went very well. And it's be good to just try and make that more of a daily thing or, you know, rather than just Intentional. Yeah. One thing about the car, Josh, is they're strapped in. <laughs> <laughs> they only do it when they're not strapped in. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> when they're not, you know, they can't move. So, so sure enough, they came. You know, you, you, you told them, we're going to have couch time. This is mommy and daddy's time. Don't interrupt us. And they tried to interrupt, didn't they? Yes. Yeah. See, they're going to. <laughs> and and what would you do? You said, you know, this is mommy and daddy's time. Mm-hmm. And come deal with us later. But, but mommy and daddy's time. Notice what that does to them. It it. it it conveys a vehicle that says that the, the husband-wife relationship is a priority, and we want to keep working on this because yours is subservient to that. Your relationship is dependent upon as good as this relationship is. So that's the value they create. Good job. Great. Glad here. Okay. Grant, did you guys get a chance to do it? We did. Awesome. Good. And so I think they kind of already knew that, but it was funny that they've, they've done it for so long that we did the couch time. Uh-huh. And I think it was 12 minutes before it was like a wall. I was like, uh-huh. what <laughs> yeah, chance to party. Mom and dad are busy. <laughs> I, don't know what it, I don't know what it was. Good. It was like, you know, it's just like we specifically told them, you know, yeah. this, is, this is what we're doing. And it was like because they were anticipating, like, that they had to do that for so long, 
Yeah. They were just sitting there waiting. It was like they just couldn't take it anymore. And I was like, you guys, have, you guys, we can have a conversation for 30 minutes and you guys know, like, to play. You know, they can come and ask us little things, but right. it was just kind of funny. Good. Well, think of what it's trying to demonstrate. It's not that this is in the Bible. It says you, thou shalt have 15 minutes of couch time every three days. It's, it's the vehicle of saying that the, this is our relationship. And <coughs> when that relationship is stable, especially as you get time to chat with your husband, you get to talk about things that, hey, you know what, this is great. We got to talk about things we didn't normally talk about. And it becomes a deeper conversation rather than just, well, what'd you do at work today? And, you know, something real simple. It allows you even to talk about the parenting process. So, good, good. Any others? You guys get a chance? Good. Well, your kids are obedient. not so much just sit them, okay, you have to sit here and watch us type of thing. That's, that's not the intent of it. It's just that, that you're demonstrating that relationship in some way, shape, or form uninterrupted. And you do this, it's just Deuteronomy 6, throughout the day as you do things, throughout your normal course of life, that they see that that, that relationship is primary. And that's what we were talking about in that whole lesson on, uh, on husband-wife relationships. Any questions on that? That was all part of uh, a session we were doing on um, shaping influences and how the parental relationship uh, is a part of that. I wanted to finish that section off with another part of this. <clears throat> That's the notes that you just got on about man being a wor worshiper. We started getting into this a little bit uh, last week, and we are all created. God created us as being worshiping beings some way, shape, or form. Look at it in the world around you. Uh, look at Sports Illustrated magazine. Look at the sports stars that we have, and isn't that amazing, you know, Kobe Bryant and what he can do and all the stats and everything. Or you look at Tiger Woods, who's now not that good anymore, but you look at what he did, and it's like, that's amazing. What's all over the news? We turned on the news night before last, and every other channel was Muhammad Ali. Why? Why is that? That's because man is made to be a worshiper. And I remember when he was fighting, and, and back on, that shows how old I am, um, but he was just an amazing guy that he could fight these guys and win and, and hold his title for that long. And people said, wow, there is no greatest. I'm the greatest, is what he would say. Those are the his sayings that he had. Man will do that. we got the Olympics coming up. And what happens? What's the Olympics about? Oh, isn't that amazing? Michael Phelps and the medals that he wins swimming and all these things that go on. We are worshiping things that God, that people do. It's just amazing. And what happens? You see a, um, a ice skating uh, competition, and they're done, and what happens? They hold up the cards, or they put the numbers up on the board. Uh, that's a 5.7. Yeah, they, they give the numbers of how they judge them. Oh, a 5.7, a 7.2, whatever the different judge. And so they're all you know, giving a number. This is the judging that on a scale of 1 to 7, what you got. Because we're judging that based upon how good we think the best would be. And so man is trying to achieve that, and, and we're trying to say, oh, you fit here in the scale because we're worshiping what you're doing. 
amazing how we do that. Also, man is a worshiper. Things like when you see a sunset. I mean, you look out and you just, that is just beautiful. And it's over the beach or something like that, and the sun's just going down, or big puffy clouds and blue sky, and it's, it's, this is just so gorgeous. We, we, we are worshipful because of that, aren't we? We see stuff, and God has made us to do that. Planet Earth, what an awesome, just amazing footage of this world that God has created. And you look at that and say, this is just phenomenal. God has done this, and, and, and there's a worship that goes on. God has created us to look at those things. Man, uh, man is the only one that is that way. Animals are not worshipers at that level. You don't see a whole bunch of penguins standing on the edge of an iceberg, watching one dive off into the into water, and, and other penguins are saying, oh, that's a 4.7. They don't do that. Or there's some bear, you know, uh, in a river up in Alaska, and, and a bunch of other bears around. He scoops up this big fish and pulls it out, and the other bears go, oh, great job, Bob, great fish you caught. Not, they don't do that. Man has done that. Time and time again, man is a worshiper. God created it within us to be a worshiper. It's a unique characteristic. Romans 1.25 speaks to this. Basically, it says man, even in his unregenerate state, is made to be a worshiper. He's made to be dazzled, impressed. But what happens is man turns and worships the creation more than the creator. So we have this within our hearts to worship. And we talked about this in... uh, Last week, we had our little guy here, and he see, what we're trying to do is to worship God. It's this relationship to see God above him. That's ultimately what we're after, is, is to train our kids to do that. And uh, the question is, the other way is man can be a, uh, see if I can do this, put some arms on him here. Here's man praying to something else. So there's some idol here, some other idol that, that man is going to worship here. It's supposed to be a man there. <laughs> I'm not very good at my drawing here. Man will bow down to other idols. We're going to train our children either to worship God or to worship idols. And what is it he's going to worship? We're worshipers. We're made to be worshipers. We want our children to know and to love God. How do you do that? We were over in uh, Malaysia, Kathy and I one time, in uh, this place where they have the Batu Caves. And there's a lot of mysticism over there, a lot of worship of, of all kinds of stuff. And this, they have this giant cave that's in this, you kind of walk into the thing, and there's these idols all around, literal, you know, figurative idols that are probably thousands of years old. And people just come in there by the droves, and they lay fruit and all kinds of other things right in front of these idols. And there's monkeys running around that are just crazy monkeys. And you know, they're just allowed to run and just smells of monkey poop and dried dead fruit and monkeys are trying to grab her purse it just but this was the worship they came this was an, a big thing of worship for many people to come to these batu caves and do this that was their idols that they thought had some value to them we have idols but we just don't recognize them sometimes the things that we <laughs> that we bow down to and so i've listed some of them there pride pride is a major major idol to us and sometimes that pride is in our children. We look at our children, and they're trophies of what we've done. Rather than trophies of God's creation and what he has done, they're not given to us for us to have glory because of them. They're given to us to train for God's glory. And so we have a pride in our parenting process, as, as hard as, and harsh as that seems. Sometimes, what, I don't know, I was guilty of this. 
It's easy to want to have good kids because of the sake of the pride that it creates. And there's pride in other things. Performance or success. Uh, man, we train our kids big to this idol, don't we? Had a neighbor across the street from us at our last house, and we had a park in front of our house. And uh, it seems like every day or every other day, he was out there playing baseball with his kid. And, and it, just, it was all about getting this kid to be as good as he could. And he's great baseball player. I mean, he had a pitching machine. He has nets that he hides behind, and he pitches to them, and he fields stuff. It just day after day after day, because he wants this kid to be just the ultimate baseball star. That's the performance that he's training him under. This is this kid's idol. He just lives for that performance, that he can play and be so good, and people will say, oh, great job. Uh, possessions. I think of the idols that we have in our possessions our houses and how we make them this, you know, all these nice things that we do to it. And sometimes it becomes an idol or our cars. I just can't wait to get that BMW, you know, whatever, that it's going to be the, the nice car that will define us or a boat or clothes or to get even more personal shoes. <laughs> you know, that, oh, you know, the, this woman has the most shoes. Uh, when we move, we have a lot of shoes. <laughs> now, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily an idol. <laughs> But think of the possessions you have. Sometimes we have possessions, and those become idols to us, don't they? Because it's just, I want to have that look. I want to have that, that thing, whatever it is. Or pleasures. Think of how you train your kids to pleasures as an idol, especially the teens. You talk about your teens. That's what they're after. What pleasure am I going to have this weekend? You know, what is the next thrill that I'm going to go through? I know I did that as a, as a teenager, always looking for something that's going to be even more fun or comfort. Comfort is one of those pleasures, always doing everything so that we have the most comfortable time and we're not discomforted. Well, if you're training to that kind of an idol, are they going to go and then take their heart and share and do things that are uncomfortable to help those that are needy, to bring others to Christ, to sacrifice themselves? Not if they're bowing down to an idol of pleasure. They're going to say, I don't want to do that. It's not in their heart. It's not going to be what they say and what they do because it's not trained within their heart to want to do that. If their heart has pleasure as being what they really want, it's going to come out with what they're doing, and they're not going to do what we think would be the most biblical thing. Uh, excitement. Sometimes that could be an adrenaline rush. Always got to keep doing something that's funner and wilder and crazier. Look at the extreme sports we have now. I mean, it's absolutely insane what guys are doing, you know, on things that are motorized, and they're doing flips, and it's like, you guys are crazy, but it's just adrenaline rush to get that little bit more excitement power. Um, that Little kids can do that. They want to have that power to control their brothers and sisters. Uh, you know, there's, there's a, an idol that can be put in front of them to have that kind of power. And obviously, we're in, in uh, uh, political season right now, and we see what happens when you have these megalomaniacs that are out there that's driving or control as a part of that. Here's another one, influence or respect. You know, that, that can become an idol, where I want to influence as many people as I can and uh, if, you, if that's what you're after, if that's what you're driving your kids to do and, and be respectful, we can raise very respectful kids. They're going to be you know, extremely respectful. Other people will respect them, and wow. But is it really driving a love for God? We have to stop to think about those things. Another one is fear of man, a fear of man. Think of that, that, that we will drive our heart based upon just what we're afraid that other people will do if we don't do it or if we do it. And it's, it's all worried about what other people are, are looking at us. Instead of looking at, I'm a creature created by God. Whatever is controlling my heart is what will control my life, isn't it? 
So that will do it. If there's a fear of man, that's what's driving you. It's going to control you. Desire to be approved. That's being in the in crowd. I mean, teens, that's exactly what you're dealing with. I mean, they want to have that look. They want to have the Nike shoes. They want to have this and, you know, have the designer this and that. Uh, the name brands back when our kids were growing up, it was goth style was kind of in in the high schools. It's like, man, what are these people thinking? But what did it do? It gave them an identity to be with others who were like-minded, and they felt like they were a part of that. That was something that was, was cool to them to do. In their minds, it made sense because they were worshiping an idol of being accepted. And they had this sphere of influence that they were a part of, no matter what that portrayed itself in. You know, it could have been, you know, pierced earrings with, you know, light bulbs coming out of them. Who knows what it could have been. But it would have been something that would have caused them to have that identity being approved in a crowd. And that's just our own issues, not just our kids. You know, all these things. So you must show your children the importance of having a Godward orientation here. And, and this is what we want to to teach into it. This is the Deuteronomy 6 part of it. It begins in your own heart. What is the things that are driving your heart? And this is the communication. So we started with a husband-wife relationship, talking, you know, the couch time, at least you're you're talking very specific about things and and you're able to communicate. We're going to get into the whole communication process with the kids. How to communicate to your kids' hearts. How to talk to them in a way that they're going to be understanding it and they're going to want to have a lifestyle that changes and matches that to be Godward oriented. So to do that, there's a bunch of other contrasts. So to contrast, the, contrast with what the world's doing with what, uh, what we're trying to do, take the following psalms. These are, these are some great psalms. I've kind of listed some out here. This is what you want to teach, the greatness of God and, and what it is that's about him that is just so much greater than us. This is where you want to take your kids to teach them. This is the time where you're at the dinner table, where you're driving, when you're sitting in the car, when you're walking by the way, as it says in Deuteronomy 6. And so being intentional about this, Psalm 145, one generation shall praise your works to another is what it talks about in there. Well, how do you make one generation praise the works to another? You have to train that into them. You have to talk about God's goodness and his praise, and that's exactly what you do as you're driving down the road. You know, you're talking with your wife or you're talking about the kids. You see a beautiful sunset. Man, isn't that a beautiful sunset? Where do you bring it? Right to God. Isn't God amazing that he would create that? Yeah, Abby. Sweet. But that was something that I saw your daughter doing even with my children. And I was just like, it was kind of a reminder to me because as a mother, I can get so busy in, in my to-dos that I don't take the time to intentionally draw them back to, mm-hmm. you know, focusing on what God's creation was and what he did. So you see how this is tied together? It's all tied together of the worshiping of creation, of of the the whole influence that we're trying to have on our kids, it's what? It's, it's all just keep pointing it back to God, Christ, pointing back to Christ. Kind of fun when it, when it works. Psalm 4, I mean, that whole psalm, just to walk through it with your kids, this is where you want to take them, these kind of things, that will just share God's goodness. Um, there's so many places you have things like this. Hear me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. So even in hard times, have mercy on me. Hear my prayer. 
How long will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? He goes on to be angry and sin not. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifice of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There may be many who say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift up your light and the countenance upon us. You have put gladness into my heart more than in any season that uh, grain and wine increase. I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. I mean, those are the kind of things that we just, that's where you want to just keep reading these things and and put them into your kids' hearts because they're going to see that it is about the Lord and the Lord alone. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I mean, these are the things that when they have fear, we're going to walk through different issues that that you deal with with your kids and then scriptures that will help you walk into them. We have a book, Proverbs for Parenting, that we we have access to and we've mentioned when those have been in the class before. And it basically takes any issue of of, um, moral value, uh, whether it be pride or lust or sin or goodness or uh, faithfulness, and then it gives you psalms that are related, proverbs that are related to those. So you can look at, you know, 12 Proverbs in a row that all talk about um, the tongue or whatever it is if you're dealing with it or um, stealing or lying. And so now you've got all the the Proverbs aligned in a row. really helps you see Scripture speaks to these things because we want to be able to speak Scripture back into our kids. And as you develop that relationship with them, you'll be able to say, this is what drives me, kids. It's Scripture. And and look, look what God says, not what I say. It takes the the load off of you, which is kind of neat. Uh, psalm 16, I put my trust in the Lord is what that whole psalm just goes through in there. Those are things we want to do. Psalm 73, the psalmist asks a heart, heart-piercing question. It says, whom have I in heaven but you? So the psalmist says, I just, there is nobody else but you. Then he has the answer, as, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. And that's what we want our kids to be looking at is we're not going to ultimately be able to provide them fulfillment. We're not going to give them everything that they need. They have to find that fulfillment in Christ, and he would be what they're looking at rather than anything here on the earth. God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever, it continues to say, Psalm 73. Psalm 63, encourage you and your children to thirst for God. That's what we want to do. How how do you explain that concept to a five-year-old? It's a hard thing, but then you, you, if you just keep building these things into their life, they're eventually, it's going to, by repetition. Isaiah 55 talks about why spend your money and times on things that won't satisfy. That's the things, idols of the heart. It's these things that will not satisfy, but ultimately God will. God is our pure satisfaction. This is what the, uh, we want our children to worship like. Um, we, what, we, what we want them to experience in life is having this kind of a love for God. Think of the example of Joseph. Remember Joseph? So um, Jacob had 12 sons, and next to the youngest one down there was, was Joseph, and Joseph was kind of the favorite, and he got that beautiful coat of many colors. Remember as, as kids in the stories that you heard that? And uh, his brothers just didn't. He had a couple dreams, didn't he? A couple dreams that he was kind of having them, his father and his mother and his brothers, bow down to him. And they said, you're crazy. Eventually they went and caught him out in the field when he's coming to give him some food or check on him, threw him into a pit. It's like, and this guy's then sold into slavery. And what is happening to his life? He gets... Uh, rises up within the kingdom down in Egypt, and he's like second in command and gets thrown in jail because of Potiphar's wife, and all these just terrible things happen to him. Think back now, shaping influence is what we've kind of 
put the parameters around this whole thing, the parentheses, shaping influences that happened in this guy's life. And he had every reason to be upset at God, upset at what happened. Why did all these things happen to me? Why would it be you've done that? But how did he respond? Continually, he was faithful. He had a lens that he looked at all of this through. No matter what these hardships are that I ran into, no matter what it is that hit in my life, he viewed it um, as this, this eternity from beginning to end. My life is this little bit here, and I need to worship God in this little life that I have here. Genesis 50, verses 19 to uh, 21. Let me read that. I think I got that in here. It talks about this. Genesis 50. Uh, Joseph, this is, oh, okay, this is finally when his brothers meet him, and he comes to them and realizes that, you know, hey, you are my brothers. He couldn't, <clears throat> couldn't go and, and deal with this anymore after saving his family, and they're now all around him. And Joseph says to his brothers, do not be afraid, for I am, for am I in the place of God? But for, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day, to save many people alive. And so that's what he saw, that no matter what happened to me, God meant this for his own purposes. And so that's where we take all of our shaping influences. Anything that happens around us, we look at God's sovereignty and we say, kids, I don't understand why we just went through this, however big or however small it is. We'd have a, a flat tire on the freeway and pull over. It's not, oh, stupid tire, why'd that thing break? And worse timing, and I don't can't. No, it was, well, I guess God wants us to stop by the side of the road for some reason, kid. So let's go stop by the side of the road and fix our tire. Maybe God has someone he wants us to meet here. So you see it as a divine reason that God gave you a flat tire or as much as a friend who got murdered. And you're dealing with it. I don't understand why one of my best friends got murdered by his brother and this terrible thing that went on. Is, I don't understand this, but God, you have a plan well, well beyond me. And you can look at it and, and explain that to your kids. As they watch you in this process of what goes on in life and how you deal with it, they're going to see what's in your heart, won't they? They're going to see the way that comes out by what you say and what you do because they're watching you. Back to Deuteronomy 6. It's about what you do that they're watching. Do it first in your heart, and then it will come out into your kids. That's when you can teach it diligently. Normally, in a case like Joseph, you would expect that guy to be bitter. You know, with all that stuff that happened to him, this, this guy just had everything terrible happen to him with those shaping influences around him. But because of the Godward orientation of his heart, that caused him to use those as a, really as a, a glory to God through all that. So I hope that uh, gives you at least a little extra insight there on how to think of this process of what we're trying to do in idols, idols of the heart and Couch time this week. I mean, look into that yourself. Say, what are some idols in my heart? Just be honest. I'm trying to stimulate conversation between you and your spouse or between you and God. Um, Brandy, I'm thinking of you. You know, as you're alone in your prayer time, God, what are the idols of my heart? And just look at those things. And that's the prayer time your kids will see that you have that says, you know what? My mom loves God. I see that because the Bible is what influences her, and her prayer time is going to be richer because she's looking at God, show me. This is what each of us need to do. God, show me what is it that's in my heart. And he gave you guys spouses to talk about these things. Use that time. All right? Let's uh, close in prayer. God, thank you for the time this morning, and thank you for each one of these couples, and even the, the fruit that we're seeing in their lives already and uh, how you're making them think about some of these things so that as they, uh, uh, as they parent 
they won't just be thinking about getting out of uh, the pain that they're in of watching their kid do something that's wrong. Instead, they would look at the joy of, of having kids that are trained well to love you, and who have a Godward orientation, who think clearly of what it is that's, uh, that's in your desires rather than in their own. And uh, be with us the rest of this Sunday as we uh, spend some time uh, looking again into your word. Give Steve power to speak and to, uh, to show his love to us through you. We thank you for this day in your name. Amen.